0: What is love? It's the oldest question mankind has asked itself. Thousands of poems, songs and books have been written about love. The subject dominates our lives. And it sometimes seems that all the world's most perpetual problems are based on where love is clearly absent. I remember an astronaut reflecting on looking out of the space station down at the beautiful, colorful planet Earth below him and thinking of all the unnecessary strife, conflict, persecution, and hunger taking place every day. Seeing the Earth from space in the round in the beauty of God's creation has been found a profound spiritual experience. For God surely did not plan it like this, in the words of the song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Now love is hopefully something that we have all experienced and perhaps the key to understanding love is that it is more of a verb rather than a noun. Love when experienced or exercised is based on action, not on a feeling or an emotion. It is expressed in selfless acts, encouraging words, sacrifice, forbearance, thoughts, attitudes. A mother and father do not just feel love for their baby or child, they show it through their daily care and concern. And as we read the Bible, we see love demonstrated by Jesus in practical ways, not just in words. We find forgiving love, redeeming love, compassionate love, healing love, sacrificial love, practical examples of love we are expected to emulate. God's love for each one of us is so much more than just being loved. It is opening up our lives to him so that he can love through us. So how do we know that God loves us? Well I suppose God's love for each one of us can never really be fully understood but it can be seen unmistakably at the cross. His love for us was demonstrated at Calvary and the cross in turn becomes the central focus of Christian life. From our first hymn Amazing Love How can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me? Christ's suffering that we might be saved. And what is the nature of this love? Well, it's unspeakable beyond explanation. We have experienced it, but as I've just said, we cannot fully understand it. And we know it is unending. God's love is eternal. Jeremiah 31 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It is unselfish. It asks for nothing in return. John says we can love him in the safe knowledge that he first loved us. It is unmerited. We did nothing to deserve it. God's love is based on his grace and God's love is unconditional, not based on what we will or will not do. We have free lives to make our own decisions, always safe in his love. Unspeakable unending, unselfish, unmerited, unconditional. What an impossible example this sets to us. What are we supposed to do faced with love like this? Well, the Bible provides the answer and the challenge. It tells us we are to love one another. This sounds virtuous, but but can we actually do it? If truth be told, some people can be difficult to love. Whilst we claim to all be part of the family of God, we can quickly find those we would really prefer to exclude people we can't stand. And sometimes it is hard enough to even love some members of our own family. So how do we make love a dominating characteristic of our lives? And as some of you may know, I've been immensely fortunate in witnessing Christian love in action as a consequence of the close association of my uncle Malcolm Muggeridge with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. To many, she embodied love, her face shining with the love of Christ on which our whole life's work became centered. For those of us who find difficulty in grasping with our minds Christ's great proposition of love, Mother Teresa was literally a godsend. She was this love in person. My uncle Malcolm noted a luminosity that seemed to fill places where Mother Teresa worked, penetrating into every mind and heart. God's everlasting truth bore the guise of an Albanian nun quietly going about her work of love, his work of love, of those who love Christ. It is a way of life in the realm of the spiritual, the word being demonstrably made flesh and dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. In Calcutta, prior to coming to my ministry, I was able to see Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity going about their work, shining their light in some of the darkest places. I had the privilege of seeing Christ's two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbor, daily fulfilled by the missionaries inseparable. Mother Teresa instilled in her workers that if they did not love God, they could not love our neighbor, and that if they did not love their neighbor, they cannot love God. Even though Jesus gave us the freedom to set our own priorities, as we saw in our opening responses from Matthew, he made a point of defining certain of them for us. Love in the scriptures is not 50 shades of gray. Jesus gave love absolute priority over all other Christian virtues. Our every thought, response, and act of goodwill must first pass through the fine filter of love or it means nothing at all. With with choice, we spend time on what we deem important. For many of us, these choices are valid time with family and friends, work, prayer, serving the poor, maybe campaigning in the forthcoming election, fighting for rights, protesting wrongs. But again, as the scripture reminds us in that famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, and if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And of course, when we demonstrate genuine Christian love, it distinguishes us from the rest of the world. When I was on General Synod, I observed the Church of England trying itself in knots in disagreements over its attitudes to women, women priests, for example, or to those many good Christians of different persuasions. A watching and critical secular world will be better persuaded, not when our values are promoted just in words but when they are incarnated, when we become the visual purveyors of Christian love towards one another. The entire world has every right to judge whether or not Christians are distinguished by the virtue of love, love shown for fellow human beings. However, we act as a church. We are God's advertisement to a watching and critical society. Do we show as individuals and in our attitudes how people should live best with one another? I like to think that from the very beginning of time, God's plan was to develop a people that reflected his character. And what is his character? Love, God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, for we are as he is in this world. So it says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 17, look it up. Christ has no hands but our hands, no feet but our feet. We are therefore his ambassadors, tasked to represent him to the world, and when we love as he has loved us, it makes the difference. God loves us not because we have something to offer him, but rather because he has something to offer us. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So John's Gospel says, amazing love. He loves us so much that he demonstrated his mercy to us in the person of his son who died for us. And in like manner, everyone around us is of incredible value to God as a potential object of his mercy. If people matter so much to him, they should also matter to us. He provides the example. We need to love people as he loves them and he loves us. Of course, love entails a cost. Love gets its hands dirty, it takes a chance, it goes out on a limb, it takes a gamble, it does the totally unexpected. Love makes a statement and leaves a legacy. Christian love inevitably means sacrifice. If there is no cost, there is no love. God amazingly loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us. Our maturity as Christians is the measure of love reciprocated back to God and our love for others? So let us today place our trust in Christ and let Him teach us how to love as He has loved us. Amen.